book of Acts chapter 6, and I, I want to read to you a few verses of Scripture. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And the word of the Lord comes to us in the, in the first half of this book of Acts. And we're going to read a few verses, verses 1 through 7 of Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. I want, to, I want to say that part again. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And I want you to notice this. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject anchored to the word. Anchored to the word. Hallelujah. Can we lift up our voices unto the Lord again in prayer and thanksgiving? Ask a blessing upon the preaching of his word today. God I thank you. Oh I praise you. I praise you, Lord, for this beautiful atmosphere we're able to enjoy that, that, that lifts your name in praise. I, I thank you for every person that is here today and every person that is viewing. I thank you, Lord, for the, for the gathering of your people. And I ask that you bless us today as we preach your word. I pray that your word will go forth and accomplish that whereto it is sent. Help us in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, to receive the healing word of God. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. What a beautiful book in the Bible this is, this Acts of the Apostles. And that really is exactly what this book is about, what it involves, what it records. It records the action and the activity and the deeds of these special people whom the Bible calls the apostles of the Lamb. They were different than other messengers. They, they weren't just any old messenger, if you please, concerning the gospel. They had a unique authority because, number one, they were hand-selected by Jesus himself. The Lord selected his apostles. And secondly... They, as Peter put it, were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw it clearly. They saw it physically. They saw it tangibly. And so they had a unique authority. They were given commission by the Lord to preach this gospel to every creature, a commission that extends even to us today as born-again believers, apostolic Pentecostal people. And so when we look at this book of Acts, it's a beautiful book because it is the history, the accounting of the Acts of the Lord's Apostles. And it is a, it is a, a book that is full of apostolic adventure. When I say apostolic, 
uh, know what I mean. It's a, it's a word relative to the apostles. So when you, when you, take, their, when you take their teaching and you uh, live by it, you are being apostolic. When you take the doctrine that was handed to them by Jesus himself, that they taught the early believers, the early Christians, uh, this is why we call ourselves apostolic. Because we want to practice what Jesus told his apostles to practice. And everything that they did, we want to be like the Lord, just as they uh, were like the Lord. And so, this is an amazing book, and it, it contains the history of this exhilarating and exciting period of the early church. These were persecuted people, and yet the believers multiplied. They were beaten every time they gathered together, and not even gathered together, but if they lifted their voice in public to declare the gospel of Jesus, it was not uncommon for them to be, to be apprehended, taken away into some interrogation room, and beaten and, and commanded never to teach or preach about Jesus again. And if you think that stopped them, you ought to read this book. They walked, they walked in, took a beating for preaching the name of Jesus, and walked out preaching the name of Jesus. And so they were an amazing group of people. They multiplied under duress. They did not divide. And, and each chapter is replete with, with testimonies and stories and historic accounts of their work and their ministry. And it was written by the physician Luke. And it was, it was this man, Luke, who, who gathered together the historic accounting of these apostles. He also uh, gathered together a historic accounting of the ministry of Jesus. And so Jesus' ministry was part one. And the acts of the apostles were his sequel to the ministry of Jesus. I like that because that is exactly the way it is supposed to be. Jesus began the work, but his followers fulfilled the work. Hallelujah. In fact, what's an interesting note about the book of Acts is that unlike other books in the New Testament, it does not conclude with the word amen. So many of the books in the New Testament had the, had the word amen to, to cap it all off, to, 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 to finalize the word. But the book of Acts never has any kind of a, of a conclusion to it in that fashion, giving us the understanding that it hasn't stopped. It continues on in us. Hallelujah. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. I like it when people talk about Acts chapter 29. That's us. Acts chapter 29. The continuation of the story. The continuation of the adventure. Acts chapter 1 contains the, the miracle of Jesus' ascension. He had died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And then he appears to his disciples and shows himself to them that he is alive by many infallible proofs. Do you know that, that for the rest of those apostles' lives, they were commanded to recant that story that Jesus showed himself alive. They were told to, to completely disavow what Jesus had done in those 40 days. And, and they were threatened with death, and they died the death of martyrs, all but John, who we'll talk about later, all but John died the death of martyrs because they would not, absolutely would not, recant what they saw with their own eyes. They saw the scars, the nail scars, the nail prints in his hands, his feet. They saw the wound in his side. He walked into a house without using the door. He, was, he appeared in the midst of them. He was alive from the dead, raised from the dead. And they witnessed him. And they saw him in Acts chapter 1 ascend to the majesty on high. After he explained to them to go tarry in Jerusalem... And wait there until you are endued with power from on high. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. They saw him ascend on high. While he was ascending, 
there were two men clothed in white standing near them, and they said, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus, just as he went up, he's going to come down in like manner. In Acts 1, he told them as he ascended to go tarry in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, they did go tarry in Jerusalem. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And that Acts chapter 2 contains the historical record of their experience of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it happened on the day of Pentecost. That's why we refer to ourselves as Pentecostal, because of that experience. That's the experience we have had, that God fills with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you what Peter told them in Acts 2 and 39. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I can't preach about the book of Acts without quoting Acts 2.38. I'm going to quote Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the plan of salvation. This is how we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We repent from our sins. We are baptized. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and God fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We are a book of Acts church. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer, and they saw a man laying by the, by the gate called Beautiful. He had been laid there daily. Daily he was laid at the gate. He looked upon them expecting to receive something of them like he had from other people. And when he looked upon them expecting to receive alms from them, Peter fastened his eyes on him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that lame man, the Bible said, Peter lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he walked for the first time in his life. These are the Acts of the Apostles. Acts chapter 4, this this led to Peter preaching on Solomon's porch and a great gathering of people came to hear him preach and they demanded to know how did this happen we've seen this man lame by the gate called beautiful all of these years how did this happen Peter preaching to them ended up getting apprehended and taken into the midst of the high priests and they were demanding answers we want to know how in the world this has happened what kind of magic is this what kind of wizardry is this and Peter said it's not by me it's not by anything I have done he said it is by the name of Jesus Christ that this man has been made whole and then famously he said and while we're on the subject of the name of Jesus Christ let me go ahead and tell you there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved not only will the name of Jesus bring healing but the name of Jesus will bring salvation to your soul Hallelujah. Glory to God. This, is, this was a place where in Acts chapter 4, they left that company. They went to a place to pray that the Lord would stretch forth his hand to heal. And while they were praying, the place where they were assembled was shaken. It was physically shaken while they prayed. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, all the believers were bringing, selling all their possessions and bringing it all to the apostles' feet. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost, and they said that they were bringing their possessions when they were not bringing their possessions. And the moment that they lied to the Holy Ghost, the Bible says they fell down dead, and great fear came upon the believers as they saw the judgment of God brought down upon Ananias and Sapphira. 
And, 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 and the apostles again were preaching the gospel and cast into prison. And the angel of the Lord came and delivered them from the prison where they were being uh, held. Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the great evangelist, was stoned. This was Israel's final rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was in Acts chapter 8 that the gospel was turned not only to the Jews, but to the Samaritans who were half Jewish. And these Samaritans received the word of God for the first time, and they believed on the Lord and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 9, we, we see a man who was at the stoning of Stephen. He was at Israel's rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible said he was on his way to persecute more Christians. And while he was on his way, there was such a Holy Ghost apostolic revival underway that this man who was was, was equipped with letters from authorities to murder Christians. He's got the letters on his person, and he's riding down the road to Damascus. And the Bible said a great light that began to shine above the brightness of the sun. It wasn't the sunshine. It was a greater light than the sun itself. Began to shine from heaven, and it blinded the man who fell off of his donkey, and he lays there in the side of the road. He, he hears a voice crying out to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against me. You don't know who you're up against. And, and Saul said, who are you, Jehovah? Who are you, Jehovah? He knew Jehovah because he was a teacher of the Old Testament law. And it was an amazing thing to him when Jehovah answered him by saying, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you persecute. You think you're killing Christians. You're persecuting me. I'm the God of the Old Testament. I am the great I am. I'm the one Moses spoke to in the burning bush. I'm the one that delivered the three Hebrew children. I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. I'm the one who created the heaven and the earth. I am Jehovah and I am Jesus. And that changed this man Saul's life and you know him as the Apostle Paul because that changed everything for him. He got up from that place and he went a new way from that moment forward. He never turned around. He began to serve the Lord with a reckless abandon. In Acts chapter 10, the Apostle Peter preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the Italian band, Cornelius' house. It was the first time the gospel of Jesus had been preached to anybody who was not a Jew. The Samaritans were half Jewish, and of course the Jews received the gospel in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter dared to step foot into the Italian household of Cornelius, and he preached the gospel to the Gentile people, and it was the first time anybody who was not of the biological lineage of Abraham received the gospel. That's why we are here today because the gospel is not limited to one group of people. It is available to whosoever will. The gospel that God was manifest in the flesh and died for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us life and that more abundantly. It's available to everybody. It's available to everybody. And Peter preached this gospel to the house of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 11, the Jewish council, or the, the, the council of the Jewish believers, brought him in and said, you need to explain to us what you think you're doing. He said, the Lord told me. And he opened the door in Acts chapter 11 for the church, the church, to reach forth with all their heart to preach the gospel to whosoever will goes on. Acts chapter 12, Peter was in prison and delivered by the angel of the Lord. Acts chapter 13, Saul, Saul uh, dealt with a man by the name of Elamus. He was a sorcerer trying to, trying to convince Sergius Paulus not to receive the gospel. Saul, whose name in that chapter, Acts 13, becomes Paul. And Paul, the apostle, blinded the man Elamus, the sorcerer. This, this was a spiritual struggle. We could go on and on. Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas were in 
a jailhouse, but they prayed and sang praises to God, and an earthquake came, and the whole jail fell apart, and they were able to convert the Philippian jailer, and they preached the gospel to Lydia, the seller of purple, and they preached the gospel to the woman with a spirit of divination, and they cast the devils out of her, and she became a believer, and it overturned her whole industry of psychic foretelling and soothsaying and witchcraft, and, and God used this people, the apostles, to preach the gospel. We could continue on. I won't go through each chapter, but I would love to. Amen. You could spend the rest of the day doing it, but let me tell you, this can look a little intimidating to the modern church. When you look at the apostolic adventures of the book of Acts, you can look at it and think, man, what am I doing? What are we doing? They must have been perfect. They must have had everything together. They must have had the whole idea of how this whole thing is supposed to work. And, and because of that, they just simply didn't have the problems we have today. Now, they had their own set of problems, it's clear. But they just seemed to be able to overcome it. They, they would be brought in and persecuted, and it was like it didn't happen. They would, they would gather together for a prayer meeting when they came under persecution. And, and when they would gather together for a prayer meeting, God would confirm his presence among them by shaking the physical building where they stood. And, and so when they were cast into prison, they prayed and sang praises to God. And there was a great earthquake that came. And you look at this, this book of Acts and you see these miracles. Blind eyes open and sorcerers blinded. You see the gospel opened up to the Samaritans. The gospel opened up to the Gentiles. The gospel opened up to the Jews. The gospel spreading throughout the world. And Pete, Paul the apostle on Mars Hill preaching the gospel to people of all faiths and all backgrounds. Fearlessly he stands upon Mars Hill and says that, that this God, this un known God who you ignorantly worship him declare I unto you he's the God that made the heavens and the earth you just look at this book of Acts in one chapter after another you see this glorious unfolding and accounting of how God works through adversity but Acts chapter 6 is a different kind of chapter in this book it's different than, than Acts 8 where the Samaritans are gladly receiving the word it's different than Acts 10 where while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. It's different than Acts 28 where, where Paul is snake bit and everybody thinks he's a murderer because he was bit by a snake and he must have it coming and he just shook the venomous viper off into the fire like it never did bite him. And it, it, Acts 6 is different. It doesn't contain this kind of an account. In fact, it opens up with murmurings and, and begrudgery and all kinds of division and dissension. The Grecians and the Hebrews were at odds against one another. The Grecians were saying our widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And the Bible says that the twelve called the apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and they were going to deal with this. What are we going to do? Because there has arisen a murmuring. Now we know from the word of the Lord that the devil likes to get into the business of murmuring. Murmuring is an act that occurs when people get their eyes off of God. It happened over and over to the Israel, people of Israel in the Old Testament as they were delivered by the mighty hand of God out of Egyptian slavery, brought into a place where they could seek after the land of promise. And the Bible says that they began to murmur. I'm going to tell you something. When they began to murmur, God began to get angry. Murmuring is not something God takes lightly. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul told us, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Now, we fall so short of that. Every one of us falls short of that. We mutter and murmur and complain about little petty things. Can I get a witness in the house? I wonder if we could replace our murmuring with praise. I wonder if we could replace muttering under our breath with praising above our breath. 
I'm telling you, you anger God when you murmur about everything. You anger God when you sit around complaining about this and that. It angers God when he knows what he has done for you, how he put breath in your lungs, how he raised you up, and he gave you peace, and he gave you joy, and he loves you with an everlasting love, and he broke the chains of bondage in your life and he delivered you and gave you sanctification and justification and he filled you with the Holy Ghost and he washed your sins away he did all of that and then you and I want to sit around and complain about a red light that takes too long we want to sit around and complain about somebody who rolled their eyes at us we want to sit around and complain about this and that. And the whole time God is saying they're ungrateful, they're unthankful. You know, when the Bible describes the plight of this generation, it talks about all the things we, we condemn, such as perilous times coming and people becoming lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. We, we talk about all that, but, but God put another word in there, unthankful unthankful that's a that's a, a terrible thing to be unthankful praise will keep us from being unthankful don't wait for sunday morning to get your praise on you got to be praising him all week long hallelujah praise the lord let everything that hath breath praise the lord well, I don't have as much money as they have. He didn't say let everything that hath money. He said let everything that hath breath. Well, I don't feel as good as they. He didn't say let everything that feels good. He didn't say let everything that got a promotion last week. He didn't say let everything that has everything going right in their life. He said let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you've got breath in your lungs, you ought to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The disciples came together, the apostles, the 12, gathered all the believers together and said, we've got to do something. This is a legitimate crisis. This is a real problem. There's something that needs to be done. But I'm going to tell you what we won't do. I want you to look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. We're going to take care of the issue. We're going to take care of the need. Yes, absolutely. Look ye out among you seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and let them deal with these matters. But I'm going to tell you what we won't do. They said it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. We must give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Do you want to know the secret to the apostles' success in the book? of the Acts of the Apostles, the secret to their success is that they did not let anything take them away from their commitment to the Word of God and prayer. We must give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. There is nothing that should distract us from the ministry of the Word and prayer. I know it's an issue, but it's not reason to leave the Word of God. I know it needs addressing, but it's not reason to leave the Word of God. I know there's got to be peace in the midst of the people, but it's not reason to leave the Word of God. Let me tell you something. When you leave the Word of God, you leave the miracles too. When you leave the Word of God, you leave truth, you leave peace, you leave love, you leave joy, you leave it all but if you'll be anchored to the word everything you need will come into being in your life Woo. those wise apostles said one to another yes this needs addressing and we're going to do it but we're not going to take our hand off the wheel to do it we're not going to take our eye off the ball to do it we must give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you understood the power of the word, then you would understand what they meant when they said that. 
Listen, let me, let me just tell you. We know through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hallelujah. I said the worlds were framed by the word of God. In 2020, there was so much distraction. There were so many, there were so many distractions pulling in every direction. People were tempted to, to leave the word of God. People were tempted to bring things to the pulpit that don't belong in the pulpit. They belong in a prayer closet. And the enemy wanted preachers to turn into medical doctors and epidemiologists and political scientists and social activists and partisan hacks and that's not what the preacher is the preacher is a preacher of the gospel you say, well, then how are society's ills, how are they going to be addressed and how are they going to be dealt with? Are you kidding me? You don't know the power of the gospel if you don't think that's addressing the ills of society. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. That's what it is. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm going to tell you what society needs. Society needs to be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. You let society repent from their sins, get baptized in his name, filled and full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about one time. I'm talking about every day. Continually prayer. Continually the ministry of the word. I'll tell you exactly what you'll see. You'll see people start loving one another as they love themselves. I'll tell you what you'll see. You'll see people practice wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Everything we need is in the Holy Ghost. Everything we need is in the Word of God. Everything, everything we need is in the Word of God. Everything we need is in the presence of the Lord. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So I know there are big needs and they need to be addressed. But I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God. Everything has to be anchored to the word. That's how the lame walk. That's how the blind see. That's how the dead are raised. That's how the sick are healed. That's how the lost are found. That's how the empty are filled with the Holy Ghost. Anchored to the word. Hallelujah. Anchored woo, to the word. Anchored to the word. When the winds blow, anchored to the word. When the waves are tossing, anchored to the word. When the enemy comes in like a flood, anchored to the word. When confusion is abounding, anchored to the word. Hallelujah. When the prince of the power of the air is trying to cause a division in this nation, anchored to the word, we must be anchored. Hallelujah to the word. Glory to God. The apostle Paul told the young man, Timothy, he said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's what he said to do. Preach the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now you got to understand what he said before that. The chapter before that, he said, Know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers. There's so much false accusing going on today. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Hallelujah. It was in the context of all of that that he looked at Timothy and said, I'm going to tell you how to handle it. Preach the word. I'm going to tell you how to deal with it. You get up, cry aloud, spare not, preach the word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach popular opinion. Don't preach conjecture. Don't preach speculation. Don't preach what the polls are saying or what the polls are not saying. Don't try to get into a competition in some kind of a culture war. Don't you get involved with any of it. The solution to all of it is the word of God. Preach the word. I'm going to tell you why we're building a new worship center. We're building it so we can preach the word to more people than we've ever preached to before. Preach the word. Be instant. Instant. In season. Out of season. Instant. I'm going to tell you something. We were out of season for a while last year. You talk about out of season. You know how many plans were shattered for people? You know, you, you, you were there. Plans just shattered. It felt so strange, but we know how to handle it. Preach the word. When? Always. In season out of season when things are going good preach the word when things are going bad preach the word see you see if you're not convinced that's the solution it's simply because you don't know the power of the word God said let there be light see that's his word God said let there be light and there was light oh that we would receive an understanding of the power of God's word hallelujah the centurion said to Jesus Jesus said I'll come to your house and I will heal your servant and the centurion said I'm not worthy that you should come under the roof of my house speak the word only oh hallelujah he didn't say if you could send if you could send a an administrator and a praise team and an altar worker team and if you could send over some prayer cloths and if you could pull together a whole arrangement and have a planning session first you got to have a planning session because you can't do this kind of a healing without a planning session and a strategy meeting no 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 he said if it all boils down to one thing it's speak the word speak the word only speak the word only I'm gonna tell you something ladies and gentlemen if it all came down to one thing it's gonna be the word only the word only can heal the word only can save the word only can deliver glory to God Go over to God. We're not preaching from Reader's Digest. We're not preaching from Google. We're not preaching from the latest and the greatest. Oh, we are preaching about the greatest, but not who this world thinks is the greatest. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Hear what I'm telling you. We preach the word. The Lord said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? They lay scattered throughout that valley that we call the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, thou knowest, Lord. And the Lord said, you're right, I know. I'm going to show you how to make dry, dead bones come together. Preach to them. Prophesy to these bones. Hallelujah. Open up your mouth, Ezekiel. But there's nobody, there's, I don't have an amen corner. Preach to them. But, but these dry bones can't affirm that they agree with what I'm saying. Prophesy to these bones. But, but I, I look like a fool out here prophesying when nobody's listening and nobody's caring. Prophesy to these bones and they shall live. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. John the Revelator had the enormous responsibility of bringing to us an understanding of Jesus Christ. He had the enormous responsibility of, of teaching us who he really is. It was John who helped us to know 
what Jesus said when he said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. It was John who helped us understand when he said, I and my Father are one. It was John who helped us know that Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He opened his gospel with these words, In the beginning was the Word. He had an enormous responsibility, but he opened everything he had to teach with this saying, In the beginning was the Word. He taught us who Jesus is. He taught us that he was the Father manifest in human flesh. But understand, in the beginning was the Word. Hallelujah. He taught us about, about the fact that there are many mansions in the, in the Father's house. And if it were not so, Jesus would have told us. But before he could tell us that, he had to let us know, in the beginning was the Word. Hallelujah. He taught us about the love of God. He taught us that perfect love casteth out fear. He taught us that herein is the love of God that we keep his commandments this is the love of God that we keep his commandments he he explained to us that we love him because he first loved us but before he could talk about the love of God he had to let us know that in the beginning was the word hallelujah he went on to the isle of Patmos and he delivered messages to the seven churches of Asia to Ephesus and Smyrna and Thyatira and Philadelphia and Laodicea and he preached, he showed them what the Lord would say to them and he would say, he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church but before he could deliver a message to any of those churches, he had to get one thing established in the beginning was the word hallelujah, oh he was going to talk about the Babylonian empire and the Roman empire and he was going to talk about the false prophet and the beast and the anti Christ and the nations that would rise in the last days and the mark of the beast and he would talk about a lake that burns with fire and brimstone and he would talk about a city that hath foundations and a city that had 12 gates and, and 12 foundations and he would talk about that holy city adorned for her husband as a stone most precious coming down from above but before he could talk about any of that in the beginning was the word. Hallelujah. You want to be able to handle the last days? You better get it affixed in your spirit. In the beginning is the word. It's the word that is exalted above all things. The psalmist said, Thou hast magnified thy word even above thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word. You've got to have the word exalted in your mind. The word must be exalted in your home. The word of God must be exalted in your marriage. The word of God must be exalted in your spirit. His word must be true and everything else is untrue. Everything is subservient to the word of God. That's, that's how the apostles were able to perform the acts of the apostles because it didn't matter what rose up against them it is not reason that we should leave the word well what if everybody leaves you it is not reason that we should leave the word but what if everybody turns their back on, on, on God? It is not reason that we should leave the word. But, but what if you get sick and you struggle? It is not reason that we should leave the word. I'm going to plant my feet and be anchored to the word of God. And I'm going to tell you that when the world is on fire, the word will stand. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? Hey, 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 you need to lose, you need to lose your grip. Lose your, people say get a grip. You need to lose your grip on the things of this world. Because this world and the fashion of this world is passing away. It's fleeting. It's going to be gone before you know it. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. 
Hallelujah. When all the disciples were leaving, all of the followers, I should say, were leaving, and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Will you also go? But Peter said to him, To whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Oh, hallelujah. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, the prophet Isaiah said. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Hallelujah. Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in the heavens. I'm anchored to the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. We had just purchased this six acres, and we were purchasing five more acres, which was Sycamore Christian Church. It's been a long process. The bridge project, expand the land, and now ready now. Thank you, thank you, Tree of Life Church. Can you give yourselves a great big hand right now? Because you have made it possible by the grace of God. To be able to launch into the construction of our new worship center. And we had just purchased this property. And I, I'll never forget, we thought we'd have several years to wait and, and then buy this property over here. But it became apparent to us that if we were going to build, we had to buy that property and we had to do it now. And so two years after arriving on these six acres in a building, we had to buy five more acres in a building. And it was a, it was a daunting challenge. And I remember going through the process of renovating this building. We had a lot of renovation work to do in this building. and We're going to be using this building for a lot of our ministries and the annex when we build our new worship center. And We were, we were in the process of renovating it. And, and you know, I don't know how to explain it, but I remember one particular night. I was about up to here. I was about up to here with all the planning and all the strategizing and all the... All the all the, the, the decisions that were going on. And, 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 and there, were, there were things that had to happen. And they had to happen quickly. And, and it was everyone was huge. Everyone had major implications. And, and, and I was just up to here. I was like, I don't want to do this. And I kind of kind of scared me. And I said, Lord, what, what is that feeling? And the Lord began to deal with my heart. And he showed me, you do what I called you to do. Yeah, yeah, you got other stuff to do. Yeah, we know. But, but, that, but all of that is secondary. You preach the word. And I realized I was so immersed in all the logistics and all the goings on that I was starting to drift away. And I had to, I had to remind myself, no, 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 no. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Yeah, that stuff needs to be done and we'll find the qualified people to do it and we'll get the right people in the right places and they can make sure it happens because it's important and it's a part of this great ministry. Brother Diaz preached the beautiful message, the same ministry where the whole ministry is all one ministry. But I know what God has placed me here to do and it's to open this word of life and preach the word. You know how we're going to get through the construction of this worship center? We're going to stay anchored to the word and we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word I'm going to tell you, you know what brought us here? The word of God and prayer and you know what's going to take us the rest of the way? The word of God and prayer if you believe it, lift up your hands and lift up your voice and shout unto God right now and thank God for his word Thank God for his word. Oh, could you stand with me right now? I feel in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. As our musicians come, listen, I believe there are people right now who are facing in a microcosm what those apostles faced in Acts chapter 6. Facing in a microcosm this, this reality of there's an issue that needs to be dealt with. How do I deal with it? If you try to deal with it with human hands, you will mess it up. 
But if you will give yourself continually to prayer and to the Word of God, God will give you the wisdom. He will give you the boldness. He will give you a step-by-step understanding. And furthermore, he will fight the battle for you. I feel the Holy Ghost. I wonder if there's somebody in this house who wants to be anchored to the Word of God. Is there somebody in this house that wants to anchor their family to the Word of God? Anchor their heart and their mind to the Word of God. Lord, I need your word to be the guide of my life. I need your word to lead me, to guide me, hallelujah, to correct me. You know, we we read the scriptures to be comforted. But, But we need also to read the scriptures to be corrected. Don't just let the scriptures comfort you. Let them comfort you and let them correct you. There's nothing more There's nothing more rewarding than when the scriptures just leap up off the page and so gently adjust you. Adjust your paradigm. Adjust your perspective. Teach you the way of life. Hallelujah. I want somebody right now that needs a touch of God in your life. I want you to come down and recommit yourself to the Word of God. Because that's where it's going to be. That's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen through might or power of your own. It's not going to happen through willpower. It's going to happen from the Word of God. Do you need some miracle in your home? Do you need, do you have lame men at the gate called beautiful? Some kind of a prison house? (laughs) What is your issue? What is your problem? It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God. I'll tell you that right now. It's not reason that we should leave the Word of God. Whatever it is, whatever the problem, it is not reason that we should leave the Word of God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. As a singer sing, I want want you to feel the liberty to come right now and say, Lord, I'm anchoring myself to the Word of God when strong winds blow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When strong winds blow. I'm going to anchor myself to your word, Lord. I'm going to anchor myself to your word, Lord. Come on, that's it. That's it. Hallelujah. 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 how you let the Lord fight your battle. This is how you let the Lord fight your battle.
Break every chain. 